most of us find waiting difficult. There are some things that we're waiting for that we have a fixed number of days before it arrives. Like we're going to go on a vacation. So many days, we know what day we're leaving, we know what time we'll return, and so we have that number of days. Some, some people I've known have a, a counter on their cell phone about how many days they have left until they retire. Uh, there was a guy at the, uh, the Navy site that, that I drill at and do my, some of my work at, I would go in and say, hey, so how many days left? And he would pull out his phone, and he would tell me how many days he has, had left. And, and now he's since retired and moved on. I wonder if, how things have gone since that wonderful day. I wonder what he's counting down to now. Uh, so there are some things that have a fixed number of days. Sometimes we're waiting for things that have no fixed day. Uh, we don't know when they will arrive. We don't know when that phone call will come that we're waiting for. We don't know uh, if or when that promotion might come that we're, we're desirous of. You don't know how many days. Well, the people of God are a waiting people. We are a waiting people. Before Jesus came, people awaited His arrival. And since the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, His people have awaited His return. In both the first advent and the second, Jesus brings about salvation. In both His first, in His incarnation, and in His second, in His second coming, He brings about salvation. What we want to notice as we read through this section of Scripture, and there's so much in it, we will not be able to exposit all of the text that we have selected. We're just going to try to navigate our way through some of it that we might worship the Lord better. We're in Luke chapter 2. I want to start reading in verse 21, and we're going to read down through verse 24 just to begin and prepare our hearts as we enter into our study of God's Word. Luke 2.21 And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy, to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. As we approach this text, we first want to notice this. Jesus' parents were faithful, righteous peasants awaiting salvation. They were faithful, righteous peasants awaiting salvation. Well, I think we have to answer some questions about the way that I have phrased that. Why are they righteous? Why do we say they're righteous? Is it, is it simply because we see obedience in the text that we say that they're righteous? I don't think that that's the answer. As in every generation, in every session, in every era of Scripture, the only way to true salvation and true righteousness is by believing God. They believed God. It's very obvious. You can see this in their life as it is lived out. First of all, I'll reference to you what was said in Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 24. It'll be on the screen in very small letters. 
Hopefully you can read it. If you can't, look it up later. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, the Bible says there, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, what does it say? He did, he did, as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife. What is, what is this doing about? He heard the message from the angel, a special revelation from God, and he believed the message that God granted to him. He believed God and acted in accordance with it. He believed Him. Uh, take a look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 28. The Bible says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will I know this, or how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the child... Uh, to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Do we see the belief that is, is found in both Joseph and in Mary, they believed God. They believed this special revelation from angelic messengers of what God said about this incredible and supernatural birth. Just as Abraham before them, they believed God. This is such an important text of Scripture. It governs our understanding of how salvation comes. The Bible says in Genesis 15 and verse 6, He, speaking of Abraham, believed the Lord and he, God, or the Lord, counted it to him, Abraham, as righteousness. So Abraham believed God, and God counted it to him for righteousness. This is the pathway of salvation. We believe what God has revealed. And both Joseph and Mary were righteous because they believed God, and God accounted that belief as righteousness for them. They were righteous people. They were also faithful, faithful people. They obeyed God. Take a look back in Luke chapter 2. 
Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. It says, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, now, what is the key here? Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, as is called for in the law of Moses, or if you want to call it as the angel had called it, the law of the Lord. So they obeyed the Lord in this. This call for circumcision on the eighth day is found in Genesis 17 and verse 12, as well as Leviticus chapter 12 and verse 3. They, they obeyed the Lord. We can see this as their faithfulness. Their faith in God that re- resulted in righteous standing also issued forth in righteous action. Because that's what the Gospel does. The Gospel changes us. The Gospel is not earned by our strict adherence to the law. The Gospel is a gift. The good news of God's revelation comes and those that believe that revelation are given righteousness. They're accounted righteousness. And that righteousness issues forth in action. So these were obedient, faithful people. They, they obeyed the law. Secondly, we, we have to recognize this. They named Him Jesus as they were instructed. Look at verse 21 again. He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And so there's this furtherance of their record of faithfulness. Nextly, they followed the laws regarding purification. Look at verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Purification. What's happening here? Well, This, again, is in accordance with the law of the Lord or the law of Moses. You see that record in Leviticus chapter 12. This was a a call. And there are differing elements, whether it's a boy or a girl and all these things, and we're not going to get into all that stuff. Leviticus chapter 12, read it and believe God's Word. I think that's enough information on the purification. What we need to understand about it is this is the call, and this is what they did. They're faithful, righteous people. Nextly, they presented him to the Lord. And this is an important element. It says at the end of verse 22, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And so there's this call for the presentation of the child. So we want to to research this a little bit. Let's do some some Bible study, will you? Uh, Take a look with me at the book of Exodus Chapter 13, you'll find that on page 55 of one of our church Bibles. Page 55, Exodus chapter 13. We want to see this concept of why Jesus was presented to the Lord on this occasion. In Exodus 13, beginning in verse 1, we have the record. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me, or set aside for me, set apart for me, make holy for me, all the firstborn... Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of men and of beast, what, is the next, what are the next two words? Is mine. So to present to the Lord is to give this firstborn male to the Lord, whether beast or of man. Take a look down at verse 11. Verse 11, Exodus 13. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as He swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be 
the Lord's. Every firstborn of the donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in the time to come your sons ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, listen carefully, by a strong hand the Lord brought us up out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males, the first, the first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And so here's this call based upon the Passover, based upon what God, what God did in redeeming Israel from the land. He says, I saved all of your firstborn. Because that was the curse that was to come down. I saved them. They're mine. Bring them to me. Now, God didn't sacrifice those firstborn. He used them in his own service. Now, we want to follow this a little bit further because there's more information. There's more to the story. Uh, Take a look at Numbers now, chapter 3. It's a tall order to ask people to bring their firstborn son and present present him to the Lord, isn't it? Um, But that's the call. And God has given further information as the progress of Revelation came along. God, God gave us another way to see this. In Numbers chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, we see God giving further information, instruction on this matter. Verse 11, Numbers chapter 3. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel instead instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the people of Israel. The Levites, instead of the firstborn, shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated for my own all the firstborn in Israel, both of man and of beast. They shall be mine. What does he say? (laughs) In other words, I have a right to do this. I am the Lord. They're mine. So instead of the firstborn male, God has taken for himself in their place the Levites. Look a little further in this Uh, passage, verse 41. You shall take the Levites for me. I am the Lord instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel and the cattle of the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the people of Israel. Look a little further on in verse 44. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel and the cattle of all the Levites instead of their cattle. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And as the redemption price hear that? As the redemption price for the 273 of the firstborn of the people of Israel over and above the number of the males of the Levites, you shall take, what's it say? Five shekels per head. You shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 geras. And goes on down to verse 51. We're going to keep reading verse 48. And give the money to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for the price of those uh, who are over. So Moses took the redemption price for those who were over and above those redeemed by the, Levit- the Levites. From the firstborn of the people of Israel, he took the money. 1,365. What you'll find, if you want to do some quick math, you divide that by five and you'll find it comes out to 273, which is what he said earlier. So the call was, all those that are over and above the Levites have to pay a five shekel 
per head tax. And they collected five shekels per head. Verse 51. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Why did I read this? Why did we look at what this presentation to the Lord is? Listen, this is the law. This is the law of the Lord. And as righteous, faithful parents, they must follow the nitty-gritty and truthfulness of the law. And this is exactly what they did. Because they believed God, they did what God said. Oh, wait a second. Maybe there might be implications for people like me and people like you. You believe what God says, and if that's the case, we also should do what God says. Of course, we'll only be able to do that as the Spirit of God works in our hearts to bring forth that gracious work of God in our lives. Head back to Luke chapter 2. We're still thinking about this presentation of the Lord. We're not done yet because we have to understand what, what is going on. Who, who is this that we're talking about? We're talking about Mary and Joseph and their firstborn son who is... And he had to be... Yeah, he was circumcised, but right now we're talking about the next phase of being presented to the Lord. There was a tax, five shekels. He had to be redeemed. That's one of those things that should make our jaws drop. The Redeemer needed to be redeemed. Of course, not from his sin. Of course not, because he never sinned. It was never found any sin in him. But he was redeemed according to the law because the firstborn of the Lord was, excuse me, the firstborn uh, male was to be given to the Lord. But God took the Levites instead and there's this tax, this five shekels. You realize that's approximately 15 days of labor. If you don't have much, and you've got to pay 15 days of what you don't have much of, that's, that's a, stall, a, a tall price, right? Well, this is what's going on. Both Mary and Joseph are adherents to the law because they are adherents to God. They paid the redemption price for Jesus that he would be redeemed and then thus not presented over, turned over. Instead, they offered a sacrifice. Verse 24, back in Luke chapter 2, they offered a sacrifice in verse 24. It says, And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You're familiar with what's going on here. This is the price, not of the well-to-do and common person, but this is the price of one who is financially challenged. Now, of course, Mary and Joseph had to travel, and then they had to house themselves, and then they had to pay this redemption price. They might not have been the poorest of the poor, but it's obvious because their adherence to the law, when they offer these two turtle doves instead of a lamb, you're let, they're letting us know that they are in a financial hardship at this point. They offered the sacrifice in obedience to the law, and the type of sacrifice indicates that they were financially challenged. They offered the sacrifice of the poor, according to Leviticus 12.8. So as we look at the parents of Jesus, here's what we notice about them. They believed special revelation that they received from the angels. They believed special revelation that is recorded in the written 
Word of God. And in the face of challenges that they faced, they believed God, and that belief resulted in obedience. Because they were awaiting their own salvation. And the salvation was not by strict adherence to the law. The salvation was that God had promised a redemption to his people all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. There's a redemption promised to those that believe God. And so they waited. As righteous, faithful peasants, they awaited salvation. And then we're introduced to another character in this text. His name is Simeon. And Simeon was a faithful, righteous minister awaiting salvation. Look at verse 25 and following. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. This, this man, Simeon, I think also serves to help us in our understanding of what it is to wait, to wait for the Savior. He was righteous, and how was he righteous? Because he spent all of his time at the temple? Is that how he became righteous? No. Guess what? He believed God. And those who believe God, it is accounted to them for righteousness. That's how salvation comes. Here it notes that he was also devout. His faith in God and in God's word resulted in adherence to the Lord. In adherence to the law. Uh, the word devout is used here. It's also used in the book of Acts chapter 22 and verse 12. Listen to how that's Conveyed. Paul is giving his testimony, talking about the man Ananias who was going to come and, and lead him and help him after his conversion. In verse, 20, uh, verse 12 of Acts 22, it says this, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. So the devout, that concept of being devout, is connected to adherence to the law. Well, this is who Simeon is. He is a righteous man, and he is devout. He is adhering to the law. Because he believed God, he obeyed what God said. And I think, again, we just have to pause every now and then just to think. Because we struggle with this, don't we? Do you struggle with obeying what God says? I do. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult because I have all kinds of other desires that bring me contrary to God's will. And what I need to do is I, I repent, God. I, I, my, 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 I'm, I'm going in accordance with my desires and my flesh. I'm following after a different course instead of the truth. God, forgive me and, and give me a will and a desire and an ability to do what you've called me to do. This is a constant for us. Unless we quit. And some people do. Quit. Well, what is that a revelation of? Well, it's not a revelation that the gospel doesn't work. 
it might be a revelation that I'm not actually an adherent to the gospel. Not every violation of the law would indicate that, right? It's an unwillingness to turn from my sin and turn back to Christ who, who cleanses and guides and his spirit empowers. Simeon believed God, and it resulted in his adherence to the Lord. He was waiting for the deliverer. It tells us that in verse 25. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel. The word paraklesis is comfort, encouragement, exhortation, consolation. Here, consolation fits best. The nation needed to be consoled because they were under the oppression of Rome, right? And this is really the history of Israel. They were under oppression for, under the Egyptians and, and before that, or, or various times after that, under oppression from the Philistines. And then they were taken away in a, in a Syrian captivity and then a Babylonian captivity. This constant, constant difficulties. Read Amos chapters 1 and 2 and you'll see all these enemy nations around Israel that were thwarting them constantly. They were constantly being oppressed. They needed consolation. Well, consolation Consolation was coming. He was waiting for this consolation. That consolation, he's going to say, my eyes have seen your salvation. And in just a few moments, Anna's going to say, she's going to speak to those who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. These concepts are all related. Take, Take a moment with me and turn to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. You'll find that on page 599 of one of our church Bibles. Isaiah 40. I want to see a little bit about this consolation. It is all over the place, but the book of Isaiah is very clear on these terms. We have to read fast. Are you ready to read fast? We're doing a Bible study. What are we seeing? We're seeing God's working in a, in a peasant couple, Joseph and Mary, who were righteous because they believed God, and faithful because they believed God, and they were awaiting salvation. Salvation had arrived. And this man, Simeon, a minister for God, he was righteous because he believed God, and he was faithful because he believed God, and he's waiting for salvation, and his eyes are seeing the salvation. Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. In other words, it's done. I'm not extracting any more. Verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low and even uh, the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. What's going on? They're preparing the entrance of the king. You don't want the king's uh, carriage or, uh, or chariot to be hitting potholes on the way in. We're going to make sure this is a straight shot. We're preparing the way. I wonder who that might be in reference to. <laughs> be pretty clear in just a moment. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And he says, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God will stand 
How long? Forever. Go on up to the high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might and His arm rules for Him. Behold His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The consolation, the consolation that's coming. And they make implication here, this, this concept of making every valley low uh, or, or lifted and, and all the hills low is a reference to John the Baptist bring, bringing forth the, the forerunning ministry in preparation for the Lord Jesus. Look a little later in here, verse 25. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their, their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatest of his might, and because he is strong in power, not, only, uh, excuse me, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known... Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The consolation of Israel. This is who Simeon was waiting for. And who is that consolation? Well, he tells us, my eyes have seen your salvation. Anna proclaims to those who are waiting. They say, I want to talk about him to all those who are waiting, the redemption of Israel, because the consolation of Israel is here. Take a look at chapter 55. Verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly do what? Pardon, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I send it, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. We're seeing we're seeing the, the, the hopes, the hopes of the people that God was instilling in them from the beginning. The Eden will be restored and expanded. Eden will cover the whole earth. Everything will be just as I intended through the consolation of Israel. 
Take a look at chapter 61. Isaiah 61, beginning in verse 1. You'll remember the Lord Jesus read this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness, Instead of mourning, the garment of praise, instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he, that he may be glorified. This is, this is what Simeon, Simeon is, he's waiting, he's waiting, and he knows these texts of Scripture. He knows, and Jesus then proclaims that he's the one in Nazareth in the synagogue. Verse 7 of the same text. Isaiah 61.7 Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. This is the consolation they were waiting for. Isaiah chapter 63 now in verse 7. Will you read verse 7 with me? This is good, this is good news. Ready? Isaiah 63 and verse 7. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that He has granted them according to His compassion, according to the abundance of His steadfast love. This is who God is. Simeon was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And his eyes saw God's salvation. The nation was waiting a deliverer. They were waiting for the consolation that would endure and it would come through their long-awaited Messiah. Simeon was waiting for this one because he was a righteous and faithful minister who was led by the Spirit. Head back to Luke chapter 2 just for a moment. Luke 2. He was led by the Spirit. You can see it in verse 25, right down through verse 27. The end of verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. In verse 27, he, came, uh, he came, into the, uh, came in the Spirit into the temple. So it's very obvious he's a man controlled by the Spirit. And the result of being controlled by the Spirit is now a proclamation of the arrival of the promised Savior in this glorious text in verses 28 and following. He took him, Jesus, in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, the consolation of Israel, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. It had been revealed he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ. In the, in the Greek Bible, it's Ton curia, uh, Christon, the Christ, cure you, the Lord. The Christ of the Lord. The, the Master's Christ. The promised one that comes from the Lord. He would not see death until God delivered on the promise. The promise 
of the anointed one, the prophet, priest, and king who would come and bring about the salvation that had been offered. The, the Christ of the Lord is the avenue of the consolation of Israel which equals your salvation, the salvation of the Lord in verse 30. In Isaiah 52.10, the Bible says this, The Lord has bared His holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This salvation was a promise from God right after the fall. Right after the fall, God made this promise. In the midst of rendering sentence on their sinfulness, God makes this glorious promise in Genesis 3.15. Listen to what it says. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Just an inkling, just a little seedling of the gospel that God was promising deliverance right from the start. And that little seedling is constantly being blossomed throughout the Old Testament as we see a little more information given to us. We understand that um, uh, this is expanded to Abraham when he says that in, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And then it comes to a really strong flowering under the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31 where, where uh, God makes this statement toward the end of that promise, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So salvation was coming. Salvation was coming. Simeon's eyes had seen this salvation in the, the, the person of the child of Mary and Joseph, the one called Jesus, which consequently means Savior, because He will save His people from their sins. He, he, he has them in His arms. He's, God's salvation is here. And then He hints to Mary that this salvation that comes through this child would come with accompanying pain. Look at verses 34 and 35. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. We don't have time to develop it, but know this. This is not a surprise that the Messiah would come and it would be a painful, painful process. You see it in the Messianic signs pointing to it. Messianic Psalms, excuse me, pointing to this. You see it in the book of Isaiah through those chapters on the suffering servant, and particularly Isaiah 53, that the, the Messiah would, would be suffering. It was forecasting pain. The salvation that came through Jesus Christ was for Jews and Gentiles alike. That's what it says in verses 31 and 32. That you, God, have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation, or a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Well, we recognize this in, in the book of Romans, don't we? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. For who? Everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So this is, this is good. We see Simeon and his expectation. He's awaiting salvation. And then we see Anna. We're only going to take just a moment. Don't, don't panic. We're going to talk about Anna next week. But I want to touch on Anna just for a moment because this text has more to do, uh, more to, to offer us regarding what we're talking about. Anna was a faithful, righteous prophetess awaiting salvation. 
You can see that in verses 36 and following. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. It's a long time of time between when she was married, when her husband died, and her living as a widow. Long time. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were awaiting, all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She was not righteous because of her actions in verse 37. She was righteous because she believed God and his word. The result of that belief was righteousness that displayed itself in devout worship. Being led of the Lord to know that Jesus was the Messiah, she began to give thanks, verse 30, to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The long-awaited Redeemer had arrived. You see that? The long-awaited Redeemer had arrived. This is the hope the consolation of Israel. It's a consolation of every devout, righteous believer that was paying attention to what God said in the Old Testament. They were, they were looking for the Messiah to come. And those who truly believed God saw that Jesus was exactly that. The financial hardship of Jesus' parents did not prevent recognizing the provision of God. The dwindling days of Simeon did not dampen his celebration of the provision of God. And the adversity that Anna had experienced didn't stop her from proclaiming the provision of God. They were waiting. Jesus came. And his life, death, burial, and resurrection are the basis for the long-promised salvation offered by God. Have you experienced the benefits of this? Have your sins been forgiven eternally? Has the perfect righteousness required for heaven been placed on your account because the long-awaited Redeemer, Consolation, salvation has appeared. Have you experienced the benefits of this? You can today. Recognize that you're a sinner and that your sin, that your sin is a mar against you and you're standing before God. Your sin will, will cause you to be eternally separated from God and experience His judgment forever. Recognize that you're a sinner. And, and the Bible tells us to turn, to repent, to turn from our sin, to recognize that this, this sinfulness will not give me what I want it to give me. It cannot promise me anything that will endure. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus, the, the consolation, the Redeemer, the salvation that comes from God. Turn to Him. He lived a perfect life in your place. And he suffered a full payment price for your sin. He was buried. He was buried. That means he really, he really died. Because the judgment against sin is death. 
And he was raised. He was raised triumphant over what? Sin, death, and Satan. Trust in Christ. For those of us now who do know Christ as our Savior, we are still waiting. We're not waiting His first advent. He's already come. He's already provided salvation eternally for us. But there is also another element of awaiting our Savior. We're waiting for our Savior to return from heaven to commence the consummation of the ages. To rescue us from the presence of sin. And to turn, uh, and in turn, to bring forth fully the consummation of God's promised kingdom. This will take place. You want to know why? You want to know why we know that that will take place? Because the Bible says it will. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 and following, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Are you waiting for the return of Christ? If you're a believer, you're waiting for the return of Christ. To do what? To finish all, all of the, the, the promises that God has made. To, to bring it to a full completion and to, to put into full display God's eternal purposes. That all things, all things will be gathered together in one, in Christ. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'd say today would be a good day to do that. The, the revelation, the, the redemption, the salvation, the consolation has already come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, done, he's finished all of the work to redeem our souls. And for those of us that are, that are believers, we're awaiting that day when He finishes all of the promises. When all of God's promises come to full fruition in time and space, in plain sight. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this opportunity. We are thankful that Jesus is everything that you promised he would be. And we look forward to the completion of all of the things that you have purposed from the beginning. We pray now, even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen.